The Cypher Film Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cyphora Film Podcast. I am Andy Walker. I'm here with my son Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello, Val. Hello. And we are joined this week, as I said last week, by the uh, director of the film we reviewed last week, Mr. Sleep. This is uh, John Paravalaris. I know I knew a trip over that. John Paravalaris. Hello. Hello, John. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Thank you for having me. Good. Good to have you back here with us. So, what have you been doing since the last time we talked? I mean, that was a while ago, but <laughs> oh, yeah, that was like a, a year, a year and a bit ago. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, I um, I think when we last spoke, I was about to finish my master's, or I just finished it. And um, since then, I've been uh, putting f- uh, films through festivals. One of them being the one that we're talking about today, Mister Sleep. Um, and right now things have picked up again. Uh, I'm uh, in pre-production on a couple of short films. I'll hopefully be shooting in the next two to three months. So things are happening. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, we watched Mister Sleep, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that the first thing we, I mean, I would like to talk to you about is like you you classed it as a thriller. Yes, but like we were saying, there are a lot of a lot of elements in it that are very much the same sort of thing as you as you get in horror films. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. for maybe the kind of uh, the, the the payoff death scene at the end or whatever. Um, why? I mean, firstly, why did you decide to make it a thriller, not a horror? But it could quite easily have been a horror. And secondly, um. Why did you decide to call it a thriller and a horror when it's got so many yeah. elements of horror in it? I mean, for me personally, I find it a bit hard to find a clear distinction between thriller and horror. Like, yeah. Sounds of the Lambs is one of my favorite films, but I would call that a thriller. But yeah, there's loads and loads of horror elements. Um, with this, um, and it's funny because when we, when I was working on the film. I got feedback, I think, from one or two people who said that, oh, this should be like a big death at the end. Uh, but that wasn't my intention. My intention was to, to tell this specific story and um, tell it honestly. Right. And I felt like, based on who these characters are, and if this were to happen in real life, um, then this is how things could play out. Um, yeah. and, and that's the place I was coming from. Uh, but yeah, like I think I, I call it a thriller, but I mean, in terms of suspense and like building tension and and what could lead to, uh, I, I guess you could call it uh, horror as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it works. I mean, works perfectly well as it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with the film, but um, it is. It's it's kind of like the last bit of it. You kind of, I didn't feel disappointed, but I was I was kind of surprised mm. there wasn't a death scene at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it, but it worked incredibly well because of the the build up of tension to that end. Mm. It fits completely with what goes on in there, so it's it's uh, it's a great. I think it's a great film. I think it works really well. I appreciate that. I think it was I learned a valuable lesson on that sort because there was no death, but at the end it was a there was more choreography to the fight between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when um, we're filming it on the day, unfortunately. It wasn't coming together. The, the conflict felt forced. Mm. So how it was originally going to be was that she was going to stand up to him, which it does anyway. But yeah, yeah. Uh, in the first drafts, it was in a way that she would leave him very injured, and he would leave the house because she was afraid. Um, but when we were there making it, it it didn't feel right. The choreography didn't feel right. It just felt like too much. And I realized that as a writer, because that's a writer's problem there, I was forcing the conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what I had to do is I had to stop, like, right, okay, this is not working. And like on the set as well. And, you know, we have that much time left on the day. And we had to get the climax shot then. And I was like, right, um, I, just, I need ideas from everyone based on the characters, based on the story, based on the themes, everything that we've been discussing. Give me ideas about how this could end. And people go one by one, they would give me ideas and be saying, no, no, because that's not what I'm after in terms of like my vision that I have for the story and the film. I was like, no, no, no. And it was the actress, Sonny, uh, who said, uh, who suggested like, what if she threatens him with calling the police? Has been yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes sense and i think it was a piece of feedback i got very early on that i chose not to go with and it came back so when it came back then i'm like right this feels right now based on what i've seen and 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 i think i think this is the, the way to go so that climax we shot everything we could with the time that we had and then in the edit we put it together so right. i think something that, that that ending is struggling a little bit with is that it goes a little fast and there were shots that we were not planning to use that we end up using there to give that sense. So I would still keep that ending probably if mm. I shot it with hindsight. Uh, however, I would make sure that certain shots that we're using in that ending last longer so yeah. you can have that satisfaction because it is a little abrupt. Yeah, yeah. So I do see your point that, I mean, you're saying about like you're surprised that, you know, there was no death, but I think that you have that sense of surprise because there was something missing. It was that climax is a yeah, little yeah. shorter than it should have been. It, it's, it's interesting, that sort of thing. It's like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Equal Equilibrium. Mm -hmm. There's a fight scene at the end of Equilibrium, mm -hmm. which you expect to be this huge, massive, drawn-out fight scene because that's what it normally is in that film, mm -hmm. in that sort of film. But it only lasts a few seconds mm. because of the yeah. fact that, the, that he kills the guy 
so quickly and you kind of go yeah. oh uh oh that's weird i wasn't expecting that but because yeah. you weren't expecting it it makes it more interesting mm -hmm. i think that's the thing because you're not because you're expecting there to be something else happening at the end to what actually happens you kind of feel oh okay yeah it's, you know it, it's it's a very interesting way to do it i really liked it yeah, appreciate that i think personally uh i do again if i if i went back i would have given a bit more time so it, it can be satisfying but again yeah. it was a valuable lesson in writing to be like i don't force the conflict you know it was like people telling me about someone dying at the end a suggestion and it turns out i believe yeah yeah about even less than that you know like don't have the over-the-top violence even like you know yeah um, but i think everything else uh, uh, i'm very happy with and at least you know it's much better what's on the screen now than what could have been up there if I wasn't like, no, this is not working. We mm. have to find something else out right now. I will say, John, I'm, I'm very impressed with this film because there's one part of this that you've done in the film, even as you class as a thriller, which the amount of horror films and everything I've seen has never, ever done. And the scene, the scene or the shot where she's watching the video and sees what he's been doing to her eye mm -hmm. genuinely turned my stomach and i've got quite a strong stomach <laughs> i can put i can view and watch a lot of stuff and i have done but sat there and watched that and i went and i sat there afterwards like that genuinely made me feel nauseous yeah. i was like and i sat there afterwards i was like i'm so impressed the fact that i've actually found a film that someone can do that to <laughs> that's uh, i'm sorry and i'm grateful i guess <laughs> uh I'm glad. I mean, do you want to? I think specifically like the shot when he licks your eyeball. Yeah. Alert. Right. Do you want to know how this was done? Yes. I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> I just happened to have an eyeball here with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what oh, it right. is. oh, wow. Oh, wow. So what we did was. So we shot that eyeball being licked in the bathroom of the flat we were filming in. Yeah, yeah. What you have is this square of a person's, like, yeah. Yeah. And there's a wee, a wee eyeball here. Cool. So you pop that in. Mm. And you keep it there and you have someone lick the eyeball. Um, it, so it was very well done. It really was very well done. Oh, sorry. It, I was saying, it, I, I had, I had the conflict in my head. I'm like, I know it's not real. I knew it wasn't. <laughs> it. And I was still part of my brain going, no, that just, that's just too much. And I'm like, but I, and I was sitting there arguing with myself while I was watching it. Going, it's not real. And then my head was going, yeah, but that's just that's that's how good it was. And I was having that conflict in my head, and it, it made me feel that way. I must admit, I think the, the, the effects that you use, that sort of, sort of thing, and those, those sort of effects, especially, um, and, I, and I, I, I mean, I give full uh, uh, kudos to, to Mark because I know how he worked with him. He's, he, he's an incredible artist as far as lighting and camera work and things go. But um, the, 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 the effects, the lighting effects and the, uh, the special effects and that sort of thing for the nighttime, for the night scenes mm -hmm. where he's going into her room were fantastic. Mm -hmm. They really were. Yeah, he did a great job. Um... Because always the idea of the him being silhouetted and it being a mystery of what he's actually doing, uh, and yeah, I would say Mark knocked it out of the park of 
of lighting that and and capturing that yeah he has got a really good touch with the with the the lighting and the and the camera work yeah i agree so the question is Mm -hmm. where did this idea come from was it something you just came to you or was it something that actually happened to somebody you know right so thankfully i didn't come up with this idea all right on my own thankfully this is not (laughs) something that i'm thinking about so this is something that's happening this is a fetish and it's a I don't remember what it's called now, but I did research. So the way I came across it is there was an expose online on YouTube. Someone uh, put this video together. They came across this thing and it was like a half an hour, hour long video where they scoured the internet and they found all this, um, all that stuff and just being so common. Uh, And basically it's a fetish that is a combination of um, being sexually attracted to eyes and it's another fetish that has to do with rape. Okay. It's a combination of those two. So it's not just to go and lick someone's eyeball and stuff like that, which is a fetish that, that that's also a thing. But the person has to be sleeping. And someone goes while they're sleeping and they do these things, they play with their eyes, they lick them because it gets them off. Mm. Okay. That's important that the person doesn't know. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's horrible. And, and it's yeah yeah and and that expose i saw had like actual footage of these people uh so you know like seeing that green screen and that green like these are things that i saw wow um and and what happened was i watched this expose and then for two or three days i just couldn't take it off my mind it was so haunting and so just like i didn't just it was just there and i'm like and I thought that, you know what, if it makes me feel that way, uh, that sense of dread and horror, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, then I think if I were able to convey that into film and take you there, how I felt when mm. I came across this, I think that could be quite an engaging horror. And of course, um, something I didn't enjoy doing this film is that every video that I came across, and this is mostly women, I was like 95, 98% women, and there's like a 2% of the victims being men. Um, these women, they, they never get a chance to defend themselves and stand up for themselves because mm-hmm. to go and do what these people do, they have to drag them in some way, maybe out of alcohol or something else. In the case yeah, yeah. of this film or something else. Um, so I want a story, a film where I'm like, you know what? No, I want to see someone figuring this out and standing up for themselves. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's it's interesting because it's. Uh, <laughs> I think this is possibly one of the first films I've seen uh, that has. I don't know. I was going to say a found footage element, um, which I actually like because most f- films that have that kind of thing in it, I really have liked. So. <laughs> That's, that's quite an interesting thing. That's I how long... it, but it was all like it all came from research. It was, yeah, yeah. It was recreating, you know, like the close-ups, how the eyes appears in the thumbnail and stuff. That's all like true to life, I guess. So, how long have you been working on this one? Well, funnily enough, I I was writing that January twenty twenty one, and right. we filmed it in March twenty twenty one. 
and it was at the time we're in post-production on uh, the hand that feeds you and so when i was here uh, talking about the hand that feeds you uh, i was like i had just finished or recently finished this film and uh, how did it come about how was it um can't recall right now, but basically I put this on the side because I think I was disappointed with the ending. Right. Uh, and I just left it on the side. And then, and that's like, I, I showed it to a few people. And the reactions were good and they were very engaged. And I thought, but you know what? I think, I think there's something there. There's, there's a lot of stuff I'm happy with it other than the ending, the performances, Mark's cinematography. So I thought, you know what? Um, the, the music I think was great by uh, Chris Belsey sound design by Tom Heblet there's a lot of good stuff there so I thought you know what I'm going to put it out and I put it out to a few festivals not too many and, and it's won awards and stuff which is great yeah, like you know alright you know like there's something here uh, yeah so and that's the film I got COVID on that, that was that, that did it um yeah we were in that flat uh and i was staying in that flat with someone else and i think yeah we both got covid um, right and, and i have to say you know proof to pp because we're filming in march 2021 there were no vaccines yeah. uh, and we're able to film this because uh, it was part of our master's course so we had educational reasons to leave the house so and on the last day and I must have been infected on the last day based on the timeline of me showing symptoms. Uh, I made lunch for half the crew. So I made lunch for like six, seven people while I was infected. And oh. No one else got infected. Wow, and, that's incredible. And the reason was, I was I remember I was like microwaving pies and stuff. There was like a pie shop across the street. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm microwaving these pies, but I'm like, right, washing hands, I'm wearing a mask, wearing a mask, washing hands, that's in the thing, putting it in. Wash your hands again, taking it out, no, no, no. <laughs> wearing the mask, and all these things had COVID, and it didn't go on the food, it didn't infect anyone else. So that was yeah, like yeah. the proof that, like you know, PPE works, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, just setting uh, John, you, uh, your it, this is one of the ones, and as we've we've said on so many other ones, as well, we spoke about, it's the fact that quite a lot of your films seem to do that at the moment, but. My, my genuine, my, I want to know this all. Everyone sort of reacts to it differently, but how was your reaction when you first got first got told that one of your films was up for an award and been nominated? And then the reaction when you actually got your first award? Oh, I mean, I've, uh, I started winning awards uh, with a film I made called The Orthodox, and that was in 2020. And it was, well, I've won, the first award I've won was in 2016 and it was for screenwriting. And that was like out of the blue and stuff. Uh, and that was very exciting and I wasn't expecting it, but I was in a bad place. So I didn't appreciate as much as I could have. Um, and, then, and then I won an award for best directing uh, on what's called the 40th hour film project and that was a big win I remember that's something because and I remember as well I wasn't sure how to approach directing I wasn't sure what my process was and I 
I made I made this film as part of the Friday Art Film Project, and it was the first time where I had a, I had I got a decent sense of what I'm supposed to do as a director, and that was good, and I felt comfortable. I also loved the script that was written by my partner, Joe Osborne, for that film. Um, and I was very excited and I directed the way I want to direct it. So based with the stuff that I learned along the way up to that point, I felt comfortable to direct uh, actors and try stuff. And I felt comfortable to be like, I want to do this because I prefer this. And, and, and I was able to make a film where I'm like, yes, I'm happy with this. And, and not, only, not, not that I'm happy with this, but that this feels like me. I didn't write the script. I was, you know, as I tend to be at, by that point, hands off, like, letting people being autonomous and just being there to nudge nudge them to get them a certain place, but then really doing what they're doing and letting them do it. Um, and, and, but it was not like, you know, this is me the most in terms of in the uh, film. And, and I won best directing for that. And it came with a cast prize to go to Orlando, Florida on the bigger festival. And yeah, I didn't pay a penny to travel there. You know, the, I, the, they, they gave me the money to go there and I went there and I was in the States and they took us to Universal Studios to promote the studio, to be like, if you want to film here and stuff. And, and, and that was like a big thing for me because it was like winning this award and seeing all these things coming from it. Uh, and it was for something where I'm like, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to direct my way, my own yeah. process and stuff. And I got a reward and that was important. And I've, since then, I've been lucky with winning awards for different projects. And it always feels good. It's, it's a nice pat on the back, but it is also nice um, going through that recognition a bit mm-hmm. um, because the rejections now feel less painful, I would say. It still sucks, of course, you know, if you don't get selected or you don't win. Yeah. Uh, however, having had that, is a, I, f- I felt to me it satiated my need for, I guess, acceptance as a filmmaker. Yeah. You yeah. know, and now, you know, that's good. You know, I, 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 you know I, I don't know where I would be now if I was looking forward to winning an award if I hadn't won one. And I was making films and stuff specifically to be recognized instead of telling stories I want to tell. So I think in that sense, awards have been great. You know, because I have, I have, you know, I've won like 19 awards, like best film, which includes everyone in the team, of course. And I've won like five awards or so as a best director. But nonetheless, nobody's knocking on on my door to give me money to go make a feature or something <laughs> or work on a TV show. So it's like, right, well, it doesn't bring that. I haven't been liking that sense, but at least it's brought that recognition to be like, yeah, all right, okay, I'm, I'm decent at this. You know, I don't yeah. think I'm great. I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm decent. That's, that's good. You know, it's good to have that. Yeah, to have that recognized. Yeah. So you, you were saying you got a couple of, uh, couple of short films you're working on at the moment yes have they said yeah. anything about those or is it all very hush hush well at the minute there's one we're planning to shoot in early december with this uh, dp who i've met recently uh, and that's very exciting making a new contact um and i am in pre-production for it's interesting right 
I'm, I'm in pre-production of a film I would call a horror film, horror short. Uh, and without, uh, no, I can't spoil it. I can't spoil it. Uh, <laughs> um, it is a horror film, but in certain areas, it's similar to Mr. Slip. Okay. Uh, which I would call a thriller. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah, so I'm doing that now. And it's another script that I haven't written. So okay. Mr. Slip, I wrote. Uh, I've written, yeah, and Maureen Street is a, it's a drama I made, uh, my last film, uh, and that I've written. And The Hand That Feeds You was a script I didn't write. It was something that was submitted to me. And yeah. this horror now, it's the same thing, it was submitted to me by a writer. And I thought, oh, this is good. Like, I'm vibing with this. Uh, I feel like I know how to tell the story. So I'm doing that, hopefully shooting that in February. Oh, cool. Cool. Yes, look forward to that. I'll definitely look forward to those coming out. Um, so, I mean, we both we both said that we would love to see what you could do with a feature film. Now, <laughs> is there any likelihood of that happening anytime in the near future? God, I don't think it's up to me. I mean, what is up to me is to continue making films, uh, which which I am. Like this horror I'm planning. Hopefully, something in December. Um, but yeah, it's, there's people who say that, you know, there's no such thing as luck. That's not my experience of life. No. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> not to be pessimistic, and I'm not being pessimistic, but it's tricky the way I'm doing it because um, it may be easier to become a director if you have mastered uh, another craft and you're finding yourself into directing so if you've been being if you've been a cinematographer for many years then you can make the transition or an editor or a writer but i started directing when i was 25 right and i've been directing for five years and basically i've been doing jobs to pay the bills that have been paying the bills, but also are related in some way to producing. So right now, for example, to pay the bills, I work as a production coordinator. Uh, and my day-to-day -day job is doing producing stuff, day-to-day -day tasks like scheduling and, and booking talent and all that stuff with the hope that I can use that to produce direct my first feature. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Because now I am working with big budgets, like budgets that I'm working with now are like half. Sorry, the budget for a low budget feature, for example, that I'm writing now, is half the budget that I'm working on right now as a production coordinator. So I'm hoping that can be a way. But going to back, going back to what I was saying, if you are a cinematographer, you can move into directing you know, I don't know, when you're 40s, 50s, 60s, I don't know, you know, yeah, later yeah. in life, because you have mastered one of these crafts. But the way I, I'm approaching it from, from the age of 25 onwards, I'm 30 now, I'm just directing. And the tricky thing with that is that it may not happen. And just get it thought, because you're like, you know what, like, I, I'm all right at this. If someone gave me money, I know I can, I can get the film made and I can tell the story. You know, yeah. I'm not saying I'm Spielberg, but I can, I can, I can, you know, I'll tell the story. The performances will be good. People will watch it and will have a fun time, which is 
all I'm looking for, really. Yeah. Um, however, luck is involved, you know? It's like it's one thing to win an award and another thing for the right person to see that you've won an award and then to check out your showreel and go, ooh, you know. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, if you're working on other stuff now, I mean, they're, they're doing the production side of things, working behind the scenes and that sort of thing on bigger budget things, you can also do a certain amount of networking and that can be very important yeah. uh, when you're looking to move on to bigger budget stuff and to bigger films, because quite often you can meet, you meet people or you'll strike up a friendship with somebody yeah. who can have an influence on whether or not you take that next step. Yeah. And that, that, that can be very, very important. Yeah, and that's again, it's down to luck. You're right. And yeah, yeah. Coming yeah. across the right people. And yeah, I'm doing everything I can. And, <laughs> uh, and I, like I said, I, I'm continuously filming because even if, however long it takes, I don't know how long it would take. I don't know if it would happen to make the advancement to, to feature films and TV. Um, the important thing for me, more important than luck in a way, it's the practice. That's something that I can control. Yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. been a while, not a while, but it's been a couple of months since I was back in, in pre-production and rehearsing and working with actors and stuff. And I'm like, right. Um, you know, is there something small that we can do that, you know, will work as a story with a smaller budget so that I can practice. So that I can yeah, yeah. write, direct actors, direct heads of department, you know, practice, practice, practice. Because yeah. by doing that, if I continue to practice, if luck does come away and someone does give me the chance to direct a feature, I want to be ready and be like, yeah, all right, you know, I know what I'm doing. I, yeah. can, I can see this through. One of the things I noticed during uh, during the whole lockdown thing and that sort of thing is there are a number of short films that are out on YouTube now, mm -hmm. which were basically just um, sort of uh, one person in the in the uh, the, the cast mm -hmm. and uh, the person directing, and that's about it. You know, they kind of made made these really kind of like, but they and and it's sort of because they were doing them, they did things like you know single set scenes which were fairly easy to put together and, and to stage and uh, but some of them are really good because if you get a good script and a good actor and and the, the set looks good then you can kind of make a good film a good sort of like you know 10 minute film mm. just with that on its own yeah i i agree i think it's there's a thing i came across called uh i think it's i think they, they say boiling the rice right and basically it i don't know how true that is it was a video on filmmaking um but basically it was saying that sushi chefs in japan yeah they spend 10 years of their career just boiling rice yeah before they move on to dealing with the fish so so a more experienced sushi chef will be taking care of the fish cutting it and all that stuff yeah, choosing the right stuff and all that. But the person starting 10 years of their life just boiling rice. And the idea is that you get super experience. It's like second nature, boiling the perfect rice, and then you will move on. And yeah. that can happen. And I do see it happening uh, with starting filmmakers um, who have limited resources, a limited budget. Maybe they don't have that much experience. Like, oh, I'm going to make my first or my second short film. 
and it's like it will have everything there'll be time traveling there's gonna be dinosaurs and ninjas and robots <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm joking but half of that is true yeah like, yeah one of them is like oh wow the thing is like um there's people who have been doing it for many many years uh, and they can twist production values in such a way that you'll be amazed by what they can accomplish but that, yeah. but that's not your first or second feature usually it comes out of experience um i mean and it's, this is not to say you know if you're listening to this and your first feature is going to be like this thing that has everything i think the best thing to do is make that film yeah because you know there's a good chance it's not going to work but make that film because there's the off chance that it will work and even better in a way it doesn't work the and you recognize why it doesn't that's a big part just something not working yeah so just something failing is not enough that would just suck on its own but if if something fails and you can look at it and be like hmm, well i did this this and that next time i think if i do this this and that i would work that yeah, learning yeah. process that recognizing that and and thinking about how to improve yeah. Yeah. that's that's invaluable and that's where the practice comes in as well yeah I mean, that's that we, we've said on, on the show, you know, sort of uh, when we review short films, not so much for the feature films because they're, they're different, a different creature, but with the short films, we always try and find positive things to say about them and try to find ways of saying, like, you know, okay, you're earlier on, early on in your career, maybe you need to, you know, you need to look at doing some different things, doing it differently, but learning from this and moving on from you, use this as a stepping stone. And even people who've been doing it for quite a while sometimes make mistakes or make, do make films that you kind of look at and go, that doesn't work, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, it just happens sometimes. You just kind of, uh, as you say, try to learn from it and try to move on and do better next time. Yeah. I mean, it, making films, there's all you can learn and, doing it and 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 eventually become a, a craftsperson in a way and you know like i feel comfortable now that if i get a script i can do the best i can because i write as well i write all the time and i've written a bunch of feature scripts and i'm comfortable with that these are my two strengths i would say is directing and writing yeah. um, and i know if i get a script i can do a rewrite if it needs it and i know i, I will you know um uh, improved in some way to be able to tell the story and then i'll tell the story and, and the story will be there now the quality of that story how could that story will ultimately be a lot of it's out of your hands as a filmmaker i feel as a creative you know and as a, a storyteller yeah and all that stuff you can only do the best you can do and then there's a point where it's out of your hands yeah and um and that's fine um so so yeah i would say and again not to like what i was saying before about you know like people trying more than, than they, biting more than they can chew i think that's absolutely fine you know i've my first sword it wasn't that big but it was quite big people were getting killed and stuff and i look back and i'm like yeah it feels like a student film uh, because i wanted to do everything myself and yeah or most things myself and that uh, was a detriment to the film but there were cool things in it. And, and the, the themes that were in that short film, they're themes that I'm still working with. It's just my, feels, my films now look and sound and feel a little better. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And that came from just making short films and, and trying stuff and, and working with good 
creative people and learning from them and then letting them do their thing and then yeah. the finished work is so much better than you could have ever done on on your own and you and you finish work and you're just grateful and and being grateful is a lovely feeling to have at the end of the day is i mean it's the thing i mean uh, another friend of our a friend of mine that had been on the show a couple of times emma emma dark she was saying to me that one of her the important lessons that she learned was the fact that you don't have to do it all yourself mm. that you can ask other people to do it and if you find people who can do it really really well then you know that if you call on them to be on the film, you don't have to worry about that sort of yeah. that element of it. Mm -hmm. You could concentrate more on the things that you, you are doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it, it makes it a lot easier for you to, to make the film if you're working with people you know work the way you like to work. Absolutely. And I feel that, uh, I mean, I'm at a stage now, again, I think I'm decent, but I'm at a stage now where... I, if, if certain areas of production, if I get someone who's a little less experienced and stuff, I could help them get to a certain point. Hmm. Um, and, but at the same time, I don't want that because no. I'd rather, um, yeah, I'd rather um, work with people, like you say, who, I can trust, we know what they're doing, they can make something good uh, and, and just let them do it, you know. Because yeah, yeah. the way that I like to work is we discuss the story, we discuss the characters, if it's a cinematographer, we discuss the visuals, if it's actors, we discuss and, and we discuss the performance and the characters and all that stuff. But I deal, but we do all that groundwork and get on the same page so they can operate autonomously but within the sandbox that i want them to operate on yeah 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 um so and if they ever go away out of the corners of that sandbox then then that's fine you know I'll, then i'll be there to nudge them yeah but yeah. hopefully when you do that you get to a point where you go on set and ideally 90 percent of the stuff they do and um and then you come in and you do the last five ten percent you know like for yeah. example now and again that has come from experience i haven't just like you know come up with that and when i said do the first take with the actors we've done the rehearsals before hopefully before we're on set and we've rehearsed the scene a bit uh, like 20 30 minutes while the camera team is setting up lights and the sound team is sorting out other stuff i'm rehearsing with actors in a different room and then when you go to take one i'm sure this director who can be like just saying, oh, just dumping information on them. Mm. Whereas I'm like, um, okay, let's go. And there's there's no direction. Let's go for it. Let's let me see what you do. Yeah. Because I could go and be like, blah 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 blah, and then you probably are gonna start uh, when you know when the cameras are rolling, instead of just being like, just go for it. Because usually what's gonna happen is if you've done all the preparatory work, ninety percent is there. And then you can just go and do the last, like, um, you know, they do a take and they're yeah. just going to adjust a little bit, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. oh actually just, just do that little thing. And that's, I think, getting quite technical with directing actors. But like, at that point, the tricky thing is like, when you're going to adjust something, not 
like the cardinal sin from in many instances with directors is telling an actor what to feel yeah uh you don't want to do that because that's not playable you're looking for direction i don't know how familiar you are with that you're probably very familiar but maybe someone listening to the podcast uh won't be as familiar maybe and it's it's the thing where it's like finding something playable finding something playable for the actors so like if and you know we've worked together and i hope for the most part it was that Andy, where it would be like i could come and tell you um how to feel like oh you know what you're scared well how can you play scared because with feelings you don't decide what to feel yeah. by definition feelings just happen so you can't go and tell an actor i mean you can and people do it and sometimes if you just don't have something in the moment you can just just say how the how the, you want the actor to feel but at that point for the only way for the actor to make that work is to do that directing work in their own head and be like right okay what can i what can i think of where can i take myself mentally to go and feel this and yeah. I'm trying to think of an example in the hand that feeds you of that. Because I have to say, you know, like talking about someone, an actor coming in and giving you 90%, it's great. You gave 100%. Thank you. I remember there was very little that I had to give you. You're just, you, you understood the character and you understood the story and you understood what I was doing with it. Yeah. So that was, that was very easy. Um, yeah, um, I'm trying to. Do you remember any direction that gave you like, hmm. or or is there any direction you remember that you're like, oh, that's a horrible direction? That no, no, no. Uh, I think um, no. There, I mean, there were a couple of times when uh, none of us seemed to be quite sure whether something was working, <laughs> and we had to kind of discuss it between us before we worked out a way to make it work. Yeah, but, yeah, but but in the end we kind of got there. <laughs> that's and that's a good point as well. Actually, that's something else. A director that's they have a lot of responsibility, and I get that. And I think that's something I remember with you, and happens with all actors. And it's a big part of the job is like as an actor, when you work with a director, if you're not directing yourself, which usually you're not going to, mm. you go and you give something honest. Like you put yourself out there. The, the best description I've heard about directing, sorry, acting is as an actor, you're private in public. Mm. So there's a scene and then you you do an imaginative work to get yourself there mentally. And then there's cameras, there's people and stuff and there's sweaty sound men holding a boom pole. It's just like, but, and yet you have to ignore all that and give something very private and very real. Yeah, And usually that's like a, coming from a discussion with a director and a director is asking you what they're looking, telling you what they're looking for. And they give them that. It's very hard at that point to monitor yourself. Mm. And the responsibility of the director is to be like, this is working, this is not working. Yeah. And it feels to me like a massive, massive failure if I find myself um, telling an actor that they did well on something and I wasn't right. Mm. There's a big responsibility because 
because it's going to happen like many times an actor is going to come and say, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is working. And when I've had that eight out of 10 times, it's working. It's great. It's what I'm looking for. That's brilliant. It's my responsibility to either say yes to that or say no to that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't happen as often. An actor will be happy with what they did, but it's not what you're looking for. And it's your responsibility to go, okay, listen, this is great. However, we're going to do another take and try this, that this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, thank you very much for your kind words about my acting. But it, it was, I think the thing was the whole thing on the set was it, it was all very easy. Everybody was working together. Everybody seemed to get what was going on and it seemed to work really easy. And uh, again, that's, that's the important thing about surrounding yourself with people who are good at what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's important to, like I said, like creating that sandbox for them. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you're just, if you go and have them do anything, you're going to have to be really, really lucky to get something that's going to, to work because, you know, it's a matter of vision, it's a matter of what you're going for, it's a matter of mood and tone and, and what themes you're actually focused on. If, if you yeah. don't have a grasp on that, it's, it's very, I, I believe it's very unlikely it's going to work. On the other side, if you're micromanaging everyone, it's very unlikely people are going to do decent work. You can get the best cinematographer, the best actor, the best composer, and you're going to be so specific to them and you're going to limit them so much that they're not going to do the best work they can do. And I'm like, I can't believe this person, yeah, yeah. this famous composer did the score for this. That's not good at all. Most likely, and this is generalizing, if every person is shooting on all cylinders and you see everything is coming together well, not a big part of it, but a part of this comes from the director. And at mm. that point, paradoxically, someone who's doing a great job as a director, they become invisible because everybody is doing a great work and they just disappear in the background. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the way I like to work. Get that. And then it's like, you don't think about, oh, Mark, look at the cinematography and that stuff and the performances. Mark did the cinematography. I didn't do it. The performers did the performances. I didn't do them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The success of my job is creating that environment that they're comfortable to do good work. Uh, and when you watch it all together, it feels like one film. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the opposite of that is if you watch a film and you know there's a lot of talent and fucking everyone sucks, <laughs> definitely <laughs> it's the director. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That's the thing, you know, it's like, what, what do they say? Like, success has many patterns, but failure some yeah. of them. Like, and in that, it's, it's real. Like, if yeah. you see actors that you know are good and cinematographers, well, you know they're good and they're not being good in this film. That, that's, I mean, some of the feature films we've done, you look, you look at them and you go, it had a big budget, it had big name stars, it had a big company behind it, but the film is rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> and you just think, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be a bad script. It could be that. And then it's a question of like, how do you, but you know that even if it's a bad screen, if, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen as a director, if you find yourself in a situation where it's like, you're forced to write the script, maybe there's a gun on your head, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and you go and make that film, it doesn't work. Like, that's fair. 
but as a director, and that's when, when against the director's responsibility, if you get a script and you don't know if it's working or not, yeah, that's also your responsibility, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us again, John. It's been great talking to you. Um, as I say, we both enjoyed Mr. Sleep, and uh, I'm glad to hear it's won awards and everything. And um, hopefully you, you were saying it's going to be available for people to watch online soon. Yes. So I'm hoping when you're listening to this, uh, you've already watched Mr. Sleep. Because what I'm planning to do is when this is live, I'm going to release Mr. Sleep on YouTube. Okay. And when I post it, I'll post for say, hey, here's Mr. Slip and here's an interview I did for it. Watch Mr. Yeah. Slip first because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Fair I enough. feel in this interview, I've spent most of my time shitting on directors, <laughs> pointing out the flaws in the film. I no, 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 no. It's just like, oh, this didn't work in the film. And, uh, you know, director suck. Like, but I do, I do, I am happy with the film, and, yeah. and, and I think directing is a good profession for anyone who's listening. <laughs> on those things, you know. No, I, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of directors out there that would agree with every word you say. <laughs> just for those things. Um, good luck with everything in the future, and we look forward to seeing more films from you uh, in the next few years. And um, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This it was, as always, a lot of fun. Thank you. It's been really good talking to you. Uh, thank you, Scott, for your input. Well, thank you for being here. Right, thank you for letting me be part of it. And very interesting to talk to John again. Yeah, definitely. And thank you to the people out there listening, watching, and everything else. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, more normal reviews of. So two short films and a feature film. Thank you very much, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. The Sci Fora Film Podcast. Thank you.